0: Welcome, everybody. Lovely to see you this morning. Looking so lovely in your summer dresses and your lovely shirts. Carry on munching away. It's lovely to see you all happily in fruit and donuts. It's lovely to have visitors from university back with us, looking so grown up. Oh, how great it is to gather... Hello, you guys up there. (laughs) To gather here together... It never, ever, ever gets boring to come on a Sunday morning and to pray and hear the worship coming from the other side of the hall, preparation going on, children's laughter in the foy court, outside people busily putting posters up. It's just a wonderful thing, which I would never hope I would ever take for granted. Yeah. Let's just pray. Lord, what can we say apart from thank you, thank you, thank you for your love, your kindness, your beauty, your steadfastness, your joy, your forgiveness, your peace, your friendship, your Father's love. What can I say, Lord, to be gathered here week in, week out with our friends and people who love and serve you. We thank you, Lord. Week in, week out, we worship you with our wonderful worship teams. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our serving teams and vineyard kids and youth and our leaders of house groups and small groups. We thank you, Lord, for the yard and all that's going on in there. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, for you, that is who we worship. Remain, Lord, as we remain in you. Call upon us, Lord, as we call to you. We know that you answer in the darkness. You answer in the light. I pray for those who feel like they are in darkness this morning, that they would hear your steadfast love and your voice the shepherd's voice, calling them by whole of their name, the one he calls. And we answer, yes, Lord, I am your servant. Yes, Lord. Amen. So good to be here this morning. It's good to have you all here. We're coming to the end ...of the series we've been doing... ...which is looking at the Vineyard DNA... ...of some of the things that are important to us... ...here in the Vineyard. So we've we've looked at things like worship... ...the now and the not yet of the Kingdom of God... ...being fools for Christ... ...the main and the plain... ...and the most ancient of prayers. Come Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to be looking at another famous phrase coined by John Wimber, who God called to start this family of churches called the Vineyard, which is everyone gets to play. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. As you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and then on down to verse 9 There's a story, a wonderful story, about John Wimber going to the church for the first time after coming to faith in his friend's living room. And after a fairly dry sermon and a time of singing, he asked the minister, when do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff that's in the book. And the church leader said, oh, we don't do that anymore. To which John Wimber famously replied, you mean I gave up drugs for this? (laughs) And this story goes right to the heart of one of the most important distinctives of the vineyard, that we are a movement of people who want to believe not simply what Jesus said, but want to live like Jesus lived and want to do What Jesus did. And what's important is this, it isn't just limited to clergy. We believe that anyone, every single one of us, can live the kind of life that Jesus did and can do the things that Jesus did. And the expression that has come to embody the value is everybody gets to play which is just another way of saying that the Holy Spirit can and does and will empower and equip any one of us to do what Jesus did. John Stott put it like this, It is by the Spirit of Christ that we can be transformed into the image of Christ as we keep looking steadfastly towards him. We thus have a part to play in repentance and faith and discipline, but essentially holiness is the work of the Holy Spirit. Archbishop William Temple put it like this, It's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare can do it, I can't. And it is no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like that. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like that. This is the secret to Christian sanctity. It is not what we should strive to live like Jesus, but that he by his spirit should come and live in us. To have him as our example is not enough. We need Jesus as our savior. So if you believe that every one of us gets to play, that every one of us gets to do what Jesus did and what did Jesus do? Well, as you know, the life of Jesus is wonderfully told in four gospels. And each gospel is account, tells the story of Jesus' life from a different perspective, a different angle, with a different perspective. And the gospels all come together to paint a striking image of the one Christians believe was both at the same time fully human and fully divine. And so, of course, there are certain things about the life of Jesus that we can never, never emulate. Things like his mortal perfection, his perfect wisdom, his redemptive death. But there are also aspects of the life of Jesus that through the empowering of the Spirit of God, we can do and be. So focusing on those parts of his life where we can be like him, what did Jesus do? First of all, Jesus welcomed everyone. Time and time again, we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus welcomed everyone. Jesus, Jesus didn't see anyone as more precious or valuable than any other Jesus' welcome was total. He hung out with all kinds of people, especially those who were marginalized. He loved to be with the poor and the outsider. He spent time with the prostitutes and drinkers and doubters and thieves. And these people found in Jesus someone who saw past, someone who saw past their external struggles, to who they were at their core, the part of them that God the Father had created in his own image. And just like Jesus, filled and empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit, we too are to extend that same welcome of the kingdom to whoever it is we encounter. Secondly, Jesus healed. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick in every way imaginable. He gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and life to the dead. He made people walk again, speak again, feel again. And alongside physical healing, Jesus brought spiritual healing to those oppressed by evil spirits, to those with inner demons had led them to isolation and alienation. Jesus brought freedom. There is scarcely any clearer New Testament witness to any other aspect about Jesus, the fact that he was a healer. And in the same way as everyone gets to play, so to each and every one of us, again, in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, have been called and commissioned to heal the sick and to bring God's rule and reign here on earth as it is in heaven. Thirdly, Jesus invited... The invitation Jesus extended to people was to repent and follow him. Jesus not only welcomed and healed anyone, but he didn't leave them where they were. He called them to change. He gave them hope that there was a different way of doing life available to each and every single one of us. Jesus' invitation was to radical transformation. And in the same invitation, is extended to each one of us. An invitation to a transformed life. A transformed life. And then fourthly, Jesus commissioned. The Gospels are full of language about how Jesus' ministry, while in some ways utterly, utterly unique, was in other ways definitely intended to be imitated. His final words in the Gospel of Matthew were, Go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This wasn't a mandate for a single moment in time. It was intended to launch a global movement of the kingdom of God, bringing life and hope to all people. But who did Jesus commission to do all of this? As you read through the gospels you see that Jesus had three close friends Peter James and John they spent more time with him than anyone else did and they all went on to play significant roles in the early days of the church then Jesus had another wider circle of 12 friends which included the first three who we were known as who were known as we were known as were known as disciples Uh, or apostles. And again, as you see from the Gospels, Jesus often withdrew from public ministry to spend time teaching, mentoring, developing his disciples. Now, they were a pretty motley group from various walks of life and social spheres, but Jesus' commissioning wasn't limited to his closest three friends or to the disciples Other biblical passages talk about a group of 72 then Jesus sent out and empowered to be ministers of the kingdom. Other passages mention even a larger group of followers who also seem to have been sent out not only to experience the ministry of the kingdom but also to extend this ministry. Then after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're told a group of 120 believers listened to Jesus' instructions to wait in Jerusalem for the, for the Holy Spirit to come and empower them for further ministry. And the rest of the New Testament makes it really clear that very quickly thousands more were commissioned with the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised would happen in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated a few weeks ago, literally thousands were baptized into the ministry of Jesus. And from there, churches began to spring up all over the Roman Empire, in Ephesus, Philippi, Antioch, and even in Rome. Gentiles and Jews. Women and men. Poor and rich. Uneducated and educated. People came to faith in Jesus Christ. People came to faith in Jesus Christ and discovered through the Holy Spirit the empowerment to do the same kingdom work as Jesus. And some 2,000 years later, we have a rich history of how the church has expanded all over the globe through ordinary, everyday people being empowered and equipped by the Spirit of God to extend the kingdom of God and where everyone gets to play. But what does this all mean for us? Well, just like Wimber said, it means everyone gets to play. And that means every single one of us here today. Jesus commissions anyone and everyone. The Holy Spirit fills anyone and everyone. His kingdom ministry is for everyone. There are no exceptions irrespective of your personality, your history, or your gifting. Jesus wants to involve every single one of us in his plan for the redemption of the world. I've been part of this church for nearly over 30 years. And this beautiful church was started by two people, John and Ellie Mumford, and their two sons, James and Marcus. James was at that point six, I think, and Marcus was six months. So not an auspicious start. And John John would go off to work at the beginning to central London, and Ellie would take the two boys and pray around the streets of Merton Park, talking to anyone she could meet about Jesus. And people began to hear about the church, which was just a weekly small group and eight people when it started. And then the Lord began to send people. And then fast forward a couple of years, and the church started meeting in the primary school in New Morden. And there was so much to be done, so much to be involved in, things to be set up the vineyard kids to be run, the house groups to start, and the people who came along just gave up of their time and energy and money to do the stuff of the kingdom. And it wasn't just John and Ellie who did it all. We all did. We all got stuck in healing the sick and casting out demons and leading people to Jesus' Not long, not long after Neil and I had started coming along, before we were even married, I think, both of us and two other friends spent our Saturdays at a place called Merton Abbey Mills. You might have heard it. People were doing tarot cards, and they probably still are, and readings, and Reiki healings, and all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. And the four of us used to go every week. I mean, we were in our early 20s. We hardly knew anything about anything, but we went week in, week out and told people about Jesus and prayed for the sick and it was fun. I used to, in a former life, I used to be a dancer and, uh, and again, not long after we joined the church, John and Debbie Wright, who now lead the Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland, asked me and a friend, to, we, I wasn't yet married, to come and dance in Kingston Town Centre with a bunch of people who would tell people about Jesus and pray for them and that was great fun nerve-wracking but fun. We ran healing events in the upstairs function room of a pub in New Morden and spent Saturday morning putting flyers on cars and then we would spend Saturday afternoon praying for anyone who would come along and people got healed and people came to faith in Jesus and people came to church and then they served on tea and coffee once they arrived at church And then they would join a worship team in time. And then they started a house group in time after being trained. And then some of them went off and did whatever God was calling them to, either in another part of the nation or to another country. While others went off to start churches. And as wonderful as they all were, and they were all wonderful, was there anything special about them? Was there anything remarkable about them? No, they were just ordinary people following an extraordinary God. They simply believed in the priesthood of all believers and that everyone gets to play. And so filled. And equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they and a whole bunch of others set off to do the works of Jesus. And what was true of this church back in the late 80s and 90s is still true today. There are people around you where you're sitting who have come to faith in Jesus and had their lives radically transformed by him and equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit and living lives the way Jesus would have them, would have them live, whether it's here in church or in their families or in their places of work or wherever it is the Lord has put them. And this pattern just repeats itself again and again and again throughout the vineyard. And we believe it's simply a continuation of what Jesus was doing in his three close friends and his 12 disciples and the many others beyond that. The movement of Jesus happens organically through the Holy Spirit, equipping and empowering each one of us. And then we, in turn, get to do the stuff in Matthew 28, making disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. And as we do it, to equip and empower others in the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we are ourselves empowered. From the little boy who shared his lunch that fed over 5,000 people, to the women at the well whose story impacted an entire village, to a young Jewish girl in the first century Palestine who said yes to God and gave birth to Jesus. We know that everyone, everyone gets to play. When we read through the passages of scripture, we quickly see that God's story unfolds throughout human history And is on a trajectory that has a single objective, the redemption of the heavens and earth. And within that story, we see over and over again how God invites, how God commissions and empowers a broken humanity to join with him and bring forth his internal purposes. So how can we all join in? Well, if you cast your mind back to the very first talk in this series when we looked at the Vineyard Person, you may remember something about us being an army. And all that means is that we we all get to play. One of the biggest challenges facing the church today is how do we move away from just being an audience to being part of his army, committed to Christ, his cause, and his church well, here's some thoughts as to how we might all start on this journey. And the first is to get involved. I could tell you countless, countless stories of people who have done just that. People have just got involved. Joy, Kluver, who's here in the front in the third row, has recently just stopped doing Vineyard Kids, which was she has been doing it for 20, 20 years. Serving month in, month out, faithfully training and equipping the next generation. Kim Plummer who is serving on the Vinnie Kids team now or or even somewhere, I know she'll be serving somewhere, has been gathering in her local community, parents and praying in schools for the kids and doing assemblies. And those assemblies were incredible, magnificent and beautiful. Praying for the teachers, again equipping and empowering others to do the same. Dave and Sam here and so many other house group leaders Dave and Sam Joyner have been opening up their homes week in and week out, some of them for years, to make space for people to be discipled and to grow in faith in Jesus. And then there are so many of you in and through your places of work and seeing the kingdom of God come as you bring the life of Jesus to your workplace. Every week a bunch of people are being are involved in serving the local community. Through our community centre at the Ashburton Estate, the Yard, whether that's through Food Bank, Job Club, or Grow Baby or Exploring Faith, and our heart is that everyone who comes through those doors at the yard is given a warm welcome and an inv- invitation to be prayed for and an inv- invitation to meet. Jesus. Even as I'm speaking now, there are teams of people serving on Vineyard Kids and Youth, not just keeping them occupied while their parents are at church, but training and equipping them to do the stuff of the kingdom, to be like Jesus, to live and love like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. There's no higher calling than teaching a generation about following Jesus and living like Jesus did. And so get involved and give just one week a month to teaching our kids and youth all, all about Jesus. There's no age limit. In fact, both any kids and youth need some grandparents Just get involved. Maybe it's around Jesus' welcome or healing or invitation. Or maybe it's around justice and kindness and compassion. Just remember, everyone, every one of us gets to play. Maybe it's to start a prayer group and a person or online. Help out at the yard. Get stuck in vineyards. Get stuck in with vineyard kids. Pray for the people around you. This stuff is for all of us. And I know I need to finish, it's going on. Whether we join in with God's kingdom work in the church, in our workplaces, or in our local communities, we can all engage with what God is doing in those unique places. The beauty, the beauty of the kingdom is that everyone has their own roles. And it all comes together to reveal the beauty of what God is doing in the world and what He will one day bring to completion. And finally, as John, John Wimber once said, the test of spiritual maturity is not the ability to speak in tongues or prophesy or memorise scriptures. It's the ability to love God and others, learning to serve others by loving the unlovely, the less unfortunate, the lost and the broken. This is the highest call. Amen. Why don't you stand and have the bow back.